Well, we're going to start a new series today, and it's going to come out of uh, one verse, and then we'll go from there. 1 Corinthians 14 and 20. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. This is Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament who was a actually hated the church and then through an encounter with God came to know Jesus and was uh, powerfully touched by God and became one of the great builders of the church. And this is a letter that he wrote to a church in Corinth. Where, and this, so this is not to a youth group. This is to a church. And he said, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regards to evil be infants, but in your thinking be, everybody say that word, adults. Adults, adults, however you put your emphasis down, but in your thinking, be adults. Change. Grow. New year, new you. A new year for us. This year, uh, we got the news, and some, most of you, or many of you would have heard already, uh, that we're going to be grandparents in July. So... I get a new title moving up. I'm getting an upgrade from dad to pops, something like that. Um, new year. Also having one of our daughters uh, will be in January, our middle daughter, just to be clear. Uh, will be getting married in September because some people have asked me which one. And I'm like, don't even go there with me. So it's a year of change. And life is like that. The one constant of life is change. And the thing about it is, though, is you can, you can change with it or you can sit where you are and watch life go on without you and stay stuck and stay in a space that you didn't want to be. It's, there's a lot at stake because change sometimes means big things where we launch people out into a new campus and other times it means new things for your family. It means you growing. It means a, a new job. Who knows what it would mean? But the stakes are high for you because you're a follower of Jesus, if you are. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the stakes are even higher. What would your life be? What could it look like in God? And then since Julius Caesar ruled that New Year began on January the 1 in 46 BC, and he urged his subjects to commit to personal improvement, resolutions have been synonymous with the New Year. The top five, beginning at the bottom, of resolutions, number five is to quit smoking. It's a great resolution. If you're a smoker, it's a great resolution to do because within two weeks, your risk of heart disease begins to go down. Number four, spend more time. This is a small miracle after spending so much time with your friends and family over Christmas, but still people then get their heart gets a little warmed. actually. Spend more time with family and friends. Number three, any guess? It's travel. Travel. Raise your hand if you've ever thought about spontaneously quitting your job and traveling the world. Maybe this week when you went back and you're like, oh my goodness, let's do it. Sell everything, honey, we're out. Number two, save money and spend less. Christmas is over. No groceries in January. That's all right. You're going to be fasting. Number one, exercise more and lose weight. Yeah. Uh, that's what Christmas, four pounds, that's what happens. But let's face it, this one's difficult. We live in Canada. It gets dark at like four o'clock. doesn't get dark till like nine o'clock in the morning, it feels like. And it rains for like 900 days in a row. So sometimes that pile of chocolate just looks like a great big hug. 
Actually, for me, it's a bag of chips where I can just eat through one. Any chip eaters, savory people there, you can just sit down and bang. You've gone, how did that bag disappear? Who ate it? The dog was here. I don't know. No, I just ate it, the whole thing, especially with some dip. Mm. Mm. But those days are behind me. It's January. But a, we, apparently about 65% of us will make resolutions. We're trying something new with a microphone. There's one right here on my glasses. So we're trying something. So you hear a little ringing. We're working on it. Just give me the thumbs down if you want me to switch over, guys. Apparently about 65% of us make a resolution. And about a quarter of us give up in a week. Only 10% see it through to the end of the year. We have a family uh, group text and one on January the 1st, one of the family members in our extended family said, so what are people's resolutions this year? And somebody chimed in and said, I'm still working on last year. Let's see where I do. <laughs> resolutions are good because I think in this sense, I think they point in us to a, something in us that wants our life to be something more than it currently is. Wants our life to have a bigger impact than it currently has. Resolutions about having a healthier marriage are good resolutions. Resolutions about eating healthier. Resolutions where we want our life to have a stronger financial outlook, where we want our bodies to be healthier, where we don't want to be controlled by negative things such as anger and fear and frustration and, and perfectionism or whatever your ism is that seems to have your number, that you say, I want to, I want to break through in that thing, that, that word that, that maybe it's confusion or maybe it's anxiety or whatever it would be. There's something in us that wants more from our life than we're currently experiencing. And I think that's a good thing. I really do, because like we read at the beginning, grow up and become like adults in our thinking. Adults in our thinking. We want to grow. And it aligns with what Jesus says. It really does. You're like, Jesus was all about resolutions? No. But I think he points to something that resolutions that a new year uh, brings for us. He said this, the thief does not come to except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's referring to the enemy. He's referring to uh, how the devil uh, wants to steal the best out of your life, to kill your hopes and destroy what your purpose is. But this is what Jesus says about himself. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. They may have, let's say that together, they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. That's the picture of God for your life. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, that word life is not just that you may be alive. It speaks to the very uh, life force of God living within you, bringing forth uh, a, a better life than you could ever have on your own. But it begins with, on the inside, the very life of God comes inside of you and begins to make new things possible, begins to make uh, uh, old ways pass away. And that word abundantly means that beyond what is anticipated, let's go into 2020 with an attitude that Jesus wants me to, to give me beyond what I anticipate right now. Beyond what I believe for myself right now. It means to be beyond the limits. So whatever limits have been placed on you, whatever limits you've placed on yourself, there is God wants you to begin to look forward with life with some new perspective. More abundantly, looking forward with more peace, say with more meaning, 
with more impact, with more hope, with more joy, with less of uh, anxiety, less of fear, less of the things that would hold me back. Jesus says that I have come to give you life and that more abundantly. And that's the message of the gospel, that my best life on the outside begins with a new life on the inside. And then suddenly things become possible that were impossible before. It's the message of the gospel. It's the message of the gospel. The impossible becomes possible. What your family line says is not possible for you, in Jesus becomes possible. One of the writers of the New Testament said this, this means that anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a new person. A new person. Turn to someone and say, are you a new person? And this is what it means. The old life is gone. Behold, a new life has begun. That's what Jesus does in our life that old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That means no matter what's gone on behind me, that there are possibilities in front of me that God is opening up for me. Things like Princeton, things like new home, things like new family, things like peace, things like joy, things like a new way of thinking. That's what Jesus says is possible for you. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So although you may not make a New Year's resolution, I think every follower of Jesus should have a new life resolution, that I want nothing less than the new life that Jesus uh, bought for me, that the new life that he prepared for me, the best thing that God has created me for, that's what I want. I don't want to settle for what I've experienced. I don't want to settle for where I am because Jesus has begun a new thing in my life and there's new things for me in 2020, in 2021, in 2022. As long as I'm alive and living, Jesus has come to bring life and that more abundantly. That's the promise of the gospel. It's a beautiful promise. So although you may not make that New Year's resolution, make a new life resolution this year. Whatever limits you've placed on yourself, believe that God can exceed those limitations. Whatever obstacles you're facing today, you can go through them in God. Anxiety might have been your story for all the last five years, but how about believing that in 2020 that God could do something new and break you through? Whatever has trapped you and caused you to be stuck, why not begin to believe that the abundant life of Jesus can be yours in 2020? That the pornography that has trapped you for so long, that 2020 could be your year to be free. The alcohol that you go to for comfort to help you to go to sleep because the voices in your head that are saying you're not going to make it, that you're going to fail, and you drink yourself into a place of being able to calm down. Why not that this be the year that you're free? Your marriage that has been struggling for year after year, and you're like, I don't know if we're going to make it. <laughs> Begin to turn your, the, what comes out of your mouth, that Jesus has come to give me life, and that more abundantly. And honey, we're going to do whatever it takes to get into the best of what God has for us. We're not going to accept the lie that you're going to fail, that you're not going to make it. 2020, we're going to get the counseling. 2020, we're going to get the prayer ministry. 2020, we're going to believe that God's going to do something new and fresh for us. See, the hope that comes, that's the hope of the gospel. New things. And it's not a year, it's not confined to 2020. It helps us, it reminds us, but it's when I am in Christ, I am a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Whatever God has for you is possible for you. 
So don't go and say, I'm going to get five new cars and a new house and, and a new wife and a new this and a new that. Whatever God has for you is possible for you. See, the mission of Jesus in you is to stretch you beyond the normal. People say, well, my life is pretty good compared to everybody else. You're not compared to everybody else. You're compared to the call of God on your life. You're compared to what God has saved you for. You're compared to the vision of God for your life. That you, that Jesus who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That there's more for you than you're currently experiencing. I don't care where you are. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you're in college, there's more for you. If you're 86, there's still more for you because he has come to give you life and life more abundantly to the fullness. Live out to the best of what God has for us. You're made to go beyond the norm. You might be the first one of your family to go to college and you're 40 years old. Why not you? You might be the first one in your family to stand up and be married and have a successful marriage that makes it. Why not you? You might be the, one, the first one in your family that uh, sees your uh, life step into a vocational ministry. Why not you? Five, six, seven, or eight more churches coming out of here in the next number of years. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. But they're coming. And some of you hearing my voice, it's going to be you. Some of you can step into new ministry because God's going to do something new and fresh in your life if you allow him to bring you into a life and life more abundantly. All setting us up here. So Jesus has come to do that beyond what's anticipated, exceeding your expectations, going past the expected limit. Oh, you're this, and that's what millers do. We only do this. We only go up to there. But I thank God, because of his goodness and grace, that I can exceed every limit of my genetic line. I can exceed every limit of my family line. I can exceed every limit that's been spoken over my life. And every one of you can as well, because God isn't play favorites. He says, anybody who is his son or his daughter, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Why not you? Why not you? I'm not going to live at less than what God has for me. But on the other hand, there is an enemy that wants to destroy any hope for your, of that for your life. See, the first part that Jesus said is the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. The enemy will do whatever, he can, take, whatever it takes to stop you from living in the life that God has for you. Because when you begin to live in the life that God has for you, first it's going to make your life better. Then it's going to make your family life better. Then it's going to make your generations better. Then it's going to make a city better. Then it's going to make a nation better. And so when we begin to step into what God has for us, something significant is going to happen and is happening in that moment. And we can't be ones that would hold back. We understand that there will be opposition. We understand that there will be a pushback. We understand, though, that greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. That Jesus is for me. That God is surrounding me with his love and protection. And anything that he's called me to do, he will take me through. But there is an enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So what are we going to do if we're going to exceed expectations, go beyond the norm, and go past the limits? Romans 12 and 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. There it is again. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. 
Our lives begin to change when we let God begin to change the way that we think. Change the way we think about ourselves. Change the way we think about God. Change the way we think about our future. Change the way we think about our past. Just begin to change and reshape us to think like God. Think like God. It's possible for you. Let the mind of Christ be in you. So adulting, when we talk about that in our culture generally, it's to, to describe behavior that's seen as responsible and growing up, like showing up for work every day, paying your bills, things that used to be normal. But in our context today, when we talk about adulting, we are talking about growing up into the life that Jesus has for every one of his followers. Growing up into the possibility that no longer stays possibility, but begins to be lived out as purpose in your life. Why not you? Why not now? It's not about millennials or Gen Z learning how boomers do life. Okay, boomer. It's not living life how Gen Xers do life. Every generation can learn from the other. What we will be ad addressing are the enemies that all of us face. Enemies that are intended to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to stop you from living the purpose of God in your life. So that we can walk with confidence. So that we can walk with purpose. So that we can walk with integrity and character and begin to step more and more into what God has for us. Because it's not just about you. It's about our city. It's about our nation. It's about your family. It's about your workmates. It's about the people that are around you. Because when you begin to live out what God has for you, all bets are off. Everything begins to change. And God begins to use you in a significant way. Why not you? Some of you are thinking, does that mean I have to go to Princeton? I don't know. If God asks you, go. But it might mean that you begin to do some things that we're going to talk about today. What are the enemies that are stopping you from living the life that God has for you? Spiritually, relationally, financially, mentally, in every way. Bring me that. Jeremiah 6 and 16 says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. There are points in time in your life where you come to crossroads. Or you can go this way or that way. And that was not uncommon. And the, the people of Israel were there. And, and this is what the Lord said to them in a, in a very key moment. Look, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for yourself. See, our world has all kinds of ways to live. And our world is getting more and more divided. The world says, be busy, 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 busy. And we're getting more and more anxious, more and more divided, more and more broken homes, more and more uh, broken health, more and more depression, more and more frustration. All kinds of ways that the world says to, says to live your life. But over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about common enemies that steal the vision of God for your life. And then show you some ancient pathways out of, out of what God says and has written in, in, in the book, the Bible. Ancient pathway, pathways that work in every culture, that work in every family background, that work for every person. God's word works if we work it. It's been a kind of a trite way, but it's actually true. We're busyness. Some, some of the main ones we're going to look at are busyness, conflict resolution, finances, and temptation. How you handle those giants will have a huge impact on whether you step more and more into the abundant, life that God has for you. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to one of the Old Testament books way in the beginning called Exodus, written by a guy 
This was written by a, a guy called Moses, uh, one of the great uh, prophets of the of the Lord, led people out of Israel or out of of captivity, and uh, this was about uh, 3,500 years ago. Uh, this this happened, and so ancient pathways. And Exodus chapter five. Uh, Moses comes to the people of Israel. The people of Israel at this point have been in captivity about over 400 years. Anybody else get nervous watching that cup up there? About 400 years, and God came to Moses and said to him, I want you to go and help set my people free. And so he responds to God. There's a whole story in that. And he, he comes and he goes into Egypt and he announces, meets with some people, and they announce to the rest of the people of Israel, the people of God, that you're going to be free. I know you've been slaves for 430 years, but you're going to be free. You are going to be free. It's going to be this amazing thing, and God's going to set you free, and it's going to be wonderful. No more, uh, no more getting beaten. No more having to work for other people. The pressure is about to be over. Every place the enemy has come against you, you're about to be free. It's going to be amazing. There are signs and wonders. God's going to make a way. Wonderful. But we can't become who we're called to be with by remaining where we are. We can't become what we're called to be by remaining where we are. I don't know about you, but I've learned this about change, that if, if you want to change, you have to change. I hate that. Wouldn't it be just wonderful if you could just change? In fact, could everybody else change? That's often how we look at life. But if we want to change, we have to change. And, and so they go and, and they announce to the Pharaoh, the king, uh, let my people go so that we can go out and worship. We are leaving. We are, our slave days are over. And the, the Pharaoh says this. I, basically, he says, I have no who, clue who God is, and I will not let you go. But God promised an abundant life. That, but God promised that I'm going to be free. But then when you begin to go, perfectionism says, I'm not letting you go. Fear says, I'm not letting you go. Anxiety says, I'm not letting you go. Financial ruin says, I'm not letting you go. Porn addiction says, I'm not letting you go. Yeah, but God said, I'm going. Then the king says this, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to work. See, the enemy doesn't want you to be free. He, he wants to use your potential for his priorities. He wants to steal your, your energy, to kill your joy, to kill your hope and your purpose. So when you begin to move forward, when you begin to move into beyond what is anticipated, beyond the limits that have been placed around you, you need to be prepared. Here's what he does. In verse 9, it says this. This is what the Pharaoh said. Oh, you want to go, do you? Make them even work harder so that they keep working and pay no attention to these lies. The enemy will you... When you make a decision for your future... The enemy makes a demand to keep you in your past. And the enemy will use busyness to steal God's vision for your life. Look what he said. He said, I want them to work so hard that they pay no attention to what God has said. And that's what flows in our culture. And some of us buy the lie. Busy, 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 busy. And no life, no energy, no hope, no dreaming for the future because we're in survival mode. 
And we just add more on and add more on and add more on because that's what our culture demands. And then we get the results that our culture has. Discouragement, anxiety, depression, discouragement, no abundant life because we live the same way. And we buy the lie of the enemy, the lie of busyness. Because he wants to stop you believing that God can make a way in 2020. I heard a good message on January the 5th, and by January the 6th, I was out. I couldn't do it. Stop believing that your prayer can be answered. Stop believing that God can make a way for you. And many of us give way. Busy with school, busy with work, busy with family, busy trying to find my way in Canada. Busy, 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 adding things on. And the first thief of your future is busyness in your present. And here's something you must settle in your heart, that change is not easy, that b but bondage is even worse. Too often we overestimate the cost and underestimate the benefits of making life change that God is leading us into. Time to count the cost. You know, a friend of mine, someone I knew a number of years ago, they came to me and they were a truck driver and they were gone most of the time. And they said, I, I really hate this that I'm gone from my family all this time. Day after day, week after week, I'm home like five, six, maybe eight days a month. That's it. And if you're a trucker, God bless you. My dad was a trucker, grew up as a trucker. But here's the point of this story. As I was talking to him and he was in his uh, mid-30s, almost 40, I said, well, why don't you make a change? He said, I can't make a change. I can't afford to go get some training because I'll be working for like $14 an hour. There's no way I can do that. I said, you're going to be working for another 25 years. I think you need to make a change because for the sake of your life, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your future, why can't you make a change? Uh, I know I can't. Overestimated the cost and underestimated the benefit because here's what happened over the next number of years in that life. An affair, broken family, and move and scattered to two different cities, the family. And I'm not saying it's only because of that. But I believe there was a moment, a crossroads moment, to make a change. And we sometimes overestimate the cost and underestimate the benefit. Because God is always wants to lead you into what's better for your life. It might hurt for a little bit, but it's always about leading you into something better. Old ways of thinking might try to run you. Old habits don't want to let you go. But adulting is a decision to stop working the enemy's goals and start walking in God's goodness. Ancient wisdom to handle the thief of busyness. We're going to quickly go through one story, and then we'll be done. A guy by the name of, you can go to 1 Kings 19. I'll grab a couple of things there. This is a, a man by the name of Elijah who was a prophet, of, had... Uh, in, in the people of God and was there to tell them what God would have them to do. And so he had gone, he had said that there, because of the sin of the people for three and a half years, there was no rain, there was a dry, great drought, and he was running, uh, living on the run, running for, for his life for three and a half years. Finally, it all comes to a head. Uh, there's this great confrontation between the false god and, the, and, and God himself, and the false god obviously loses, and Elijah wins, and he's like, yay, I'm winning. Uh, but what happens then is the king and the queen who uh, hated God and hated Elijah said, in fact, the queen puts out a word and says, I'm going to kill you. Uh, let it be known, you are going to die. And Elijah, who had just been through great time of stress, great time of pressure, and great time of difficulty, comes to the place where he freaks out, and he says that he began to run. 
He runs for his life. He was afraid and ran, and he, he got and uh, went a day journey into the wilderness. He came to a bush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. In other words, I'm no better than the people that are already dead. I've had enough. Take my life. He's running. Thief of busyness and pressure led to poor mental health, to discouragement, to depression, to fear, to wanting to quit. He wants to die. But let's pick up what happened in verse 5. It's a little morbid right now. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. We need the wisdom of healthy rest to beat the thief of busyness. Well, it's not popular in our culture because we want to produce. Anytime to be awake is to be producing for a while. But sleep problems can cause issues with memory with thinking, with your mood, depression and anxiety, with chronic fatigue, with chronic pain. Lack of sleep is associated with obesity, type 2 diabetes, not the only cause but associated with cardiovascular disease, death from all causes, depression, irritability, and reduced well-being, researchers have said. Because during sleep, the brain is able to repair and grow cells, tissues, and nerves that regenerate and boost your hormones and your immune system. Yet despite all that, we are losing the battle to the bondage of busyness. More than 50% of women have trouble getting to sleep or staying asleep. One in three Canadians aren't getting enough sleep. Almost half of Canadians wake up unrefreshed from their sleep. Canadians are getting even less sleep than we did a decade ago. In fact, about an hour less. All our helps of technology and everything has meant less sleep. Don't underestimate the power of sleep on it. Sleep on it. You're ready to make a decision, and when you're tired, it's going to be a bad one. Sleep on it. Rest daily. Good sleep. Here's some general sleeping tips, all for free. Less caffeine, less caffeine drinks and sugary foods throughout the day. About, about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I had a migraine, and I was like trying to figure out why. I woke up in the middle of the night. I don't have them often, but I get them from time to time. And I realized that I had drank no water that day except through about 10 cups of coffee. I just drink coffee. like I like it. But I need to drink less caffeine. And that was a great reminder for me. Less screen time. If you want to sleep well, avoid your screens for one to two hours before going to bed. Mm. Keep your phone out of your room. Don't watch TV to fall asleep. Read an actual book or an e-reader instead of your phone. This one is funny. This is what the researchers also say. Less naps. At least not long ones. Instead, go for a brisk walk. Take more exercise. Have more water. A study involving more than 20,000 people claims that hydration is the key to a good night's sleep. You wake up and you're thirsty. Rest daily. Rest weekly. We, we used to call it the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. It's still needed today. 
may not in, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, the actual day is shifted. It doesn't have, it can be a day that you work with the Lord on it. It doesn't seem to be a mandate in that way. There's been some room around it. But the concept of 24 hours of rest is so healthy for you. And here's also what it is. It's faith. Because you want, you feel like, we feel like we can't give up a day because then things will fall behind. I will start to lose ground. I won't be able to make my way in the business. I will lose uh, business opportunities. I will lose uh, family things. I will do whatever. All We begin to think, it's up to me. Sabbath says, God, it's not up to me. It's up to you. And here's the principle, that God does more in the six than you can do in the seven. So take a day. Sunday's a great day. Take a day where you don't go to work. 24 hours is 24 hours. For me, I'm really working on from Friday when I leave the office until Saturday night, 24 hours. I don't touch anything to do with ministry or any of that kind of stuff. I just try and do what my wife says for that day. <laughs> put all the Christmas stuff away. Put it under there. Take the lights down. Yes, dear. Honey, it makes my life better. Rest weekly and also rest we, uh, rest yearly. Take your holy days. And that's not a slip of the tongue. That's where holidays come from. I don't call them vacation because I'm not vacating anything. I'm taking holy days where I can give some time to rest and be refreshed, not only by rest and reflection and relaxation, but also just time with the Lord that he's invited to holidays with me. The holy days. So rest daily, rest weekly, rest yearly. Next one. We need the wisdom of, here it is. As he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Do you know hangry's a real thing? I've talked to some of you. Some of you have talked to me. Pastor, go have a Snickers bar or something. The angel woke him up to eat. We need the wisdom of a healthy diet to beat the thief of busyness. Don't underestimate the power of a good meal. We say stupid things. We make bad choices. We buy a lot of things at the grocery store when we're hungry. We're like... Why did you come home with $1,000 worth of food? I don't know. I just, it looked good. But the importance of a, poor, uh, of a good diet, of uh, fruit and vegetables and balanced and a Mediterranean-style diet, and you can look that up, lead, has been shown to lead to a reduction in depression. Poor diet is linked to poorer mental health in children and adolescents. And, but before making any changes, major changes with your diet, consult your doctor, consult a dietitian. But here's some general eating tips with the, uh, that caveat. Eat simply, more simply. That means less processed food or processed food, less fast foods, less sugary drinks. Eat less. We eat way too much. Someone said you should, instead of like a dinner plate, use like a salad plate and put that on there. Eat a variety. But here's the rest of the story that ends it all. The Lord said, go and stand in, on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. It's the most important part of it. We need the wisdom of a healthy spiritual life to beat the thief of busyness. Get in God's presence. Get into worship. Get into prayer. Get into the scripture. That's why we're talking about pray first and begin to develop and build a habit of that. Some general tips for a healthy spiritual life. A daily habit of a certain time, of a certain place, of a certain plan where you hear the whisper of the Lord for your day because you're not smart enough to live your life. I'm not smart enough 
to live the life that God has for me. I need Jesus daily. The weekly habit of gathering, you know, it, it's not a surprise that the church in many ways generally is less powerful than it once was because one in three has become the way that we go to church now, one week out of three. But make a weekly habit of gathering and finally make a yearly habit of prayer and fasting. We give out a prayer guide in January and in September where we encourage you to pray. Communion servers, if you can get ready. I want to help you in your spiritual life this year by encouraging you to take Hearing God when it comes up, the Hearing God group, teach you how to hear the voice of God. We want to encourage you by, uh, help you by encouraging you to take Set Free, a Set Free retreat where we'll talk more about that, where you can be free of the hurts and the hang-ups of your life. Join a group, all those kind of things. You can't serve others from an empty vessel. You can't give from empty hands. You can't show up for others when you don't show up for yourself. The ancient wisdom is take care of your body, take care of your mind and your spiritual health, and then go and serve others. Yeah, you guys can, as soon as you get it, you can begin to distribute it, thanks. Because if we're gonna beat the thief of busyness that steals our vision, that robs us of our joy, that robs us of our purpose, then we must be people that live by ancient wisdom. People who live with rest. People who live with a healthy diet. People who live with a healthy spiritual life. You guys just, yeah, you can begin to distribute it right away. In a moment, we're gonna receive communion. We have an open table that, re that simply means if you're a follower of Jesus that you're, you're free and able to take it. We're not gonna check on anybody for that. Now just for a moment as the emblems are being passed, I'll talk more about it in a moment. But just when you receive it or while you're waiting to receive it, just begin to ask the Lord, what's something that you want me to, that you want to change in my life in 2020, in this new year? What's something that you want to see change? Not a list of 54 things. What's one thing that you want to see change for me and in my life? I'm just going to give you a minute or two do that. 